But I'm really excited that Matt is going to come and um, come and speak to us this morning. Matt is continuing our um, series, uh, When You Pray, which is all rooted in the Lord's Prayer. And I'm really excited for what he's, he's going to come and share. Matt is our vicar here at Bay Church. He's a great guy. He's uh, whoa, fifth in the Bay Church Fantasy Football League at the moment. Is that right? I think oh, it's, it's tight. There's only like 10 points between first and fifth. It's tight at the top. Um, but... There we go. Um, I'm going to read from Scripture. It should come up on the screen. Um, and we will... This is from Matthew 6. Uh, it's been the same reading we've had the last couple of weeks. We're really delving into this, uh, this Bible passage here um, in this series, and I'm really excited for it. So Matthew, Matthew 6, if you've got a Bible, it's on the screen. Um, and I'm going to read it here. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is the word of the Lord. Amazing. Let's give it up for Matt Bray. Well, good morning, everyone. It's lovely to be here. Lovely to see you here. Well done, as Gav's already said, for getting up uh, early. And um, it's a wonderful spring spring morning, and it's um, great to have opened those those doors again. And we'll keep them open now until it gets cold again. Well, it's never going to get cold again because the heat by the, by next winter we'll have heating sorted. I promise. Yes, uh, we promise. That's a promise. It's, it's said from the front. It's a promise. <laughs> Um, we've been going through the Lord's Prayer, and this is Jesus's blueprint for us for how to pray, in the hope that we might sort of, I don't know, get, get more um, courage to pray this prayer more regularly, but also to help us understand what it is that we are praying when we say these words. And we've been going through section by section, trying to understand the power behind these words, uh, the power for our lives and for our world. So, Each week, we've been reading that same passage from Matthew 6. And through that repetition of reading it over and over again, I've sort of noticed this flow that's in the Lord's Prayer. It's what John Mark Comer uh, describes as a strategic flow to the Lord's Prayer. And when I think about praying the Lord's Prayer, I I like to think about body language and what we might, you know, a a body language to go with the words that we might be praying. I find it really helpful. And this this structure of prayer, the Lord's Prayer that Jesus gives us, it almost starts in this sort of like bowing down, bowing down almost on our knees or maybe like lying down on the floor sort of before God, this posture of abandonment as we pray, our Father in heaven hallowed be your name. This reverence and respect, this posture of total abandonment towards God in which we offer our hearts to him. And then in which we might then pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. Almost we're praying in there as we, as we learned a couple of weeks ago when Anna was speaking. It was saying, God, not my will in my life, but your will be done. 
I remember the, the night before I was ordained priest in the Church of England, and we were in the cathedral, and our bishop had just finished speaking to us, and then then he gave us uh, 45 minutes to sort of explore the cathedral and spend a bit of time praying and reflecting. Well, I didn't, instead of doing that, I decided in that moment that I, would, I was just going to lie face down on the floor in this, this, this posture that I've just been talking about, lay face down on the cold stone of the cathedral floor with my arms stretched out like this. And monks would sort of pray like that. And I just stayed like that for the whole 45 minutes. And I think I remember at one point, someone did sort of check on me just to make sure I was all right. And someone had to step over me at one point. But I just prayed over and over again. I sort of in conversation with God saying, God, this strange thing that I feel that you're calling me towards, this, this role you've asked me to give my life to, I just want to, I, I want to pray your will be done. If we're going to do it, let's do it your way and not my way. And then from there, this posture in the Lord's Prayer sort of um, begins to, you might sit up a little bit, we're still on our knees praying to God, but almost holding out our hands as Rachel looked at last week, asking for our daily bread and holding out our hands as if we're going to receive the, the things that we need. We're asking God to meet our needs and be all that we need in our life. And I think from then then, uh, the, the, this week and next week as we sort of conclude this series, uh, at least how I see it is it's like almost like stepping up then from that position of being on our knees to then heading out towards the world to ask for forgiveness, to ask God to help us to forgive others and then to not be led into temptation, but to be delivered from evil. And then off we go into the world, renewed and full of purpose. I love this prayer. I love this prayer. This prayer, it can be said word for word. And I find it really helpful praying this prayer. I have three specific points in my day when I pray this prayer uh, in this particular form. But it can also be a framework. It can also be each of these postures or each of these petitions as they're known, they're like headings. And each line is like a heading which then you can expand upon in your own prayers and, and pray further into that theme. It was the great theologian Calvin who said that the Lord's Prayer does not bind us to its particular form of words, but rather to its content and basic pattern. He's saying these words should open us up to a greater depth in our prayers. And so today, we are going to briefly look at what it means to pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. In our translation that we read, it said debts, and others, it says transgressions. Um, but today we're going to look at the concept of asking God to forgive us of our sins. If you were to look at my heart under a microscope, or if perhaps you were to cut it open and, and look inside, I'm sure that you would see the words in it, forgiven. That's my experience of my life with God. My experience of God's forgiveness has been the most transformative part of my life. That might be because I spent a lot of my life doing things that I then needed forgiveness for, maybe. And I still do those things. I, like, pray for Fiona, my wife. Um, often, what is it, parking tickets at the moment, and um, Greg's appearing too many times on our bank statement. But I think at the heart of each of us is this desire not only to be loved, I think we, that's a basic need of all of us to be loved, but also to be forgiven to be forgiven, truly and totally forgiven. 
I think that for a lot of us, we, we carry, and this, whether or not we realize it or not, or would, or would like to admit it or not, we, ha- we carry these, these levels of guilt for things that we may have done, for things that we may have said, or the times that we didn't say something, or that we weren't there, or that we didn't do something for someone, and carry these levels of guilt in our lives, which can lead to shame. And shame can be so crippling in your life if you ever want to live it full of freedom and life. And so I think there is this need of all of us to want to be forgiven. And it's only through Jesus that we are totally and completely forgiven. And so when we pray, forgive us our sins, we are firstly recognizing our need for forgiveness. We need forgiveness. I'm sure that like, like me, you experience times in your life when someone has wronged you and they weren't aware of it. They weren't aware that they had wronged you. Someone cuts you up in traffic or in, in, a, in, in the car and you have to brake really suddenly and they seem totally oblivious to what they did. You'd like to let them know. I've told a similar story around that. I won't tell it again. Um, the next one is a very British problem. So there's your trigger warning. But when people unknowingly cut the queue in front of you, I'm sorry to bring it up. Who's going to tell them? I'm not going to tell them, (laughs) but I'm mad at them. The other month, I unknowingly wronged both my wife and our Bay group. We love our Bay group. Uh, Fiona and I, we, we love our Bay group. And what we've learned about our Bay group is that our Bay group love chocolate fingers. And I mean, they just, they just go like that when we bring them out. They love them. If you're in our group, and I, I'm trying to notice any people I recognize, if you're in our Bay group and you're like, what chocolate fingers? You don't arrive early enough. You arrive late. They're already gone. Anyway, Fiona was away with work one evening, and I was doing what I imagine most of you would do in that situation. I stayed up late. I watched too much TV, and I ate loads and loads of snacks. And then um, group night came around, and I had a work thing, which meant I couldn't quite get to um, the start of group. So while I'm out, Fiona texts me, and this is what the text says, where are the chocolate fingers? I wanted to get them ready for the group tonight. And I said, well, Fiona, I think we know the answer to that question, don't we? (laughs) Let's not pretend here that in a moment of consistent weakness, I decided to eat all the chocolates and didn't replace them at all for our group. So to my group, to my wife, I'm sorry. I didn't realize I had wronged you. We need forgiveness. We need forgiveness. And recognizing that in our lives is a really, really healthy place to be in. Because through recognizing our needs, we'll be able to see and accept and receive God's forgiveness through Jesus for us. Several times in the gospel, uh, in all the gospels, people come to Jesus uh, wanting physical healing. They want to be physically healed. But before he heals them of their physical needs, in moments we see Jesus say, your sins are forgiven before he heals them. Because that is actually their greatest need. That is what their greatest need is. And it's our greatest need too. I love this, um, this quote, which has been attributed to lots of people um, but, and said in many different ways. But it says, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. But since our greatest need was forgiveness, God sent us a savior. 
And with that forgiveness that Jesus offers us comes freedom. And I've experienced that freedom of forgiveness so many times in my life. My parents are here this morning. They've been with us this weekend. And they often remind me that when I was a teenager, which is a particularly strong chapter of my life of needing lots of forgiveness, that they, they said they would recognize in my behavior that something was obviously going on in my life. But they, they'd sort of notice I'd be behaving really badly, and they'd notice it, but they wouldn't sort of jump in. They, they would wait because they knew inevitably I, one, one night I would come knocking on their door sheepishly, and I'd sit on the end of their bed, and I would sort of confess my sins to them. And, uh, and each time I'm thinking, oh, I don't know if they're ready for this. And it's like, apparently they saw it a mile off. <laughs> I, I didn't realize I was so predictable. But I let it get all bottled up. I would let it get all bottled up until I faced the fact that I, I need forgiveness. I need freeing from this. This is eating away at me, and I just need to know that I'm forgiven. I was carrying, like I said, that guilt and that shame. And that's not a good place to be in. And through, uh, through <laughs> confessing and through recognizing that I need forgiveness came that freedom. I wasn't met with more shame and more guilt. I think that's what we're afraid of sometimes, that in, in coming to those places of uh, asking forgive, for forgiveness, we're just going to be met with more shame and more guilt. But the truth of Jesus is that Jesus never comes to expose us of our shame. He comes to take it away. And through Jesus, then, we are completely forgiven. And so when we pray, Jesus, uh, when we pray, forgive us our sins, we are firstly recognizing our need for forgiveness. And then secondly, we are recognizing our need to forgive. It's just as important to forgive as it is to be forgiven. I read a story of the Spanish Prime Minister, uh, Ramon Maria Narvaez, in the early 1800s, and he was on his deathbed, and a priest came and visited him. And the priest said to him, does your excellency, uh, does your excellency forgive all your enemies? And he responded, he says, I don't have to forgive all my enemies. I've had them all shot. <laughs> and perhaps some of us feel like we wish that was an option too. But what's interesting is that, it, it, that Jesus finishes, he finishes telling us how to pray. And then there's only one section in that prayer that he gives us that he then comes back to, gives us a bit more commentary on, a bit more extra guidance. Because as we read in verse 14, it said, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. And that feels hard. That feels harsh. But don't worry, you're in great company. It was the great theologian and church giant, St. Augustine, who called this particular part of the text a terrible petition. He pointed out, because if you pray these, this prayer while harboring in us a, a, also an unforgiving spirit, we're, at, we're almost effectively asking God not to forgive us not to forgive us. And it can feel so unfair. Uh, it was Mother Teresa who said, if we really want to love, then we must learn how to forgive. And it was C.S. Lewis who said, everyone thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. And that can feel unfair at times in life, particularly if the person is unremorseful or unrepentant 
and especially when the wrongdoing is cruel, evil, or just even worse. Forgiveness doesn't mean forgetting everything. Forgiveness doesn't even mean you have to return back to normal. I mean, how could you sometimes? But forgiveness is about not letting the wrongdoing or the wrongdoer continue to have power over your life. You will have, I'm sure you will have heard that analogy of uh, forgiveness and, and poison, that unforgiveness is like drinking poison yourself and then waiting for the other person to die. It's only harming us because what it breeds in us is anger, it breeds resentment, it breeds cynicism and negativity in our lives, and it holds us back and prevents us from experiencing true peace, which is what God is offering to us. But Jesus wants to bring to us wholeness and freedom by giving us the strength to be able to forgive. I know that looking around the room here this morning, there are certainly some significant things in your lives that happen in certain people's lives here where it feels like forgiveness, that's just not an option right now. And maybe in time it will be by God's grace and by God's spirit. Over the last year, actually, I've been on a bit of a journey myself of forgiving some people who, who wouldn't even be aware that I was holding this resentment towards them. Some of you in the room, no, I'm joking. Um, stuff from the past, people who I haven't even seen for years, but I've noticed in my life uh, these memories prop up again, and I realize they're restricting me because God wants to give me peace and fill me with peace, but this unforgiveness in me was getting in the way of that. And I've been on this journey of going, God, okay, I, I forgive that person. I forgive that moment. I forgive what went on in that moment. To choose forgiveness, to choose to forgive is about choosing joy over anger, about choosing peace over holding resentment. It's about choosing God over grudges. It's about choosing the freedom of forgiveness over the poison of unforgiveness. C.S. Lewis, again, said to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. It was at the cross where Jesus willingly gave his life so that you would be forgiven. St. Paul puts it like this, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ forgave us, gave his life for us, gave us forgiveness, and gave us a way back to a right relationship with God. It's because through Jesus alone is it possible to know complete forgiveness and freedom in our lives. And in that, free, in that forgiveness, wrapped up with it, is also the call to be, able to, to be people who forgive those who have sinned against us as well. When we pray, forgive us our sins, we're firstly recognizing our own need for forgiveness. And secondly, we recognize our need to forgive as well. And this life, this whole, this whole idea is a story in which God is inviting us into. And within that story, it's a story of forgiveness. The story that God is inviting us into is a story of total renewal, of things being restored, of things being healed, of broken things being made new and mended and dead things being brought back to life. And so when we pray this prayer that we've been looking at, when we pray this prayer, we're saying, God, I want to be a part of that story. I want to, I want to enwrap myself 
and place myself within this story of redemption that you are bringing to the world. And so when you pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us, we're saying, God, forgive me when I get it wrong. Forgive me when I go my own way. Forgive me when I fail myself to forgive. Forgive me for thinking that I could do this without you. And give me the strength then to forgive and free me from the anger, free me from any resentment so that I may, might know your peace in my life. And then through Jesus, we are completely forgiven. Amen.